if you had asked me, even at 22, are you going to be working in women's sports? Are you going to move to Los Angeles? Are you going to do this? Like all of these things, I would have said, oh, you're funny. No, this isn't happening. Um, but it, it has. And I love it. Like, I I wake up every day and to say, okay, like, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. Um, but yeah, it was it was a wild ride. And that's Kay Young, VP and head of revenue for the Washington Spirit. Kay retraces her career journey on this episode of the Leadership Backstory, from climbing the ranks for the LA Sparks to her current role at the Washington Spirit. There are lots of leadership lessons packed into this episode. I'm Peter Barron, Brendan Schneider, and I learned a lot, and we know you will too. So let's get started. Hi everyone, I'm Peter Barron, and I'm Brendan Schneider. And welcome to the Leadership Backstory Podcast. So, Brendan, um, I'm not going to do the intro today because I think like this is one that you should do. Oh, I will say that we're, we've got the pleasure of talking to Kay Young, who's the Vice President of Revenue for the Washington Spirit, which is a women's soccer club. And being the daughter of a 16-year-old who plays club soccer, I'm super excited to be part of this. But we'll get into all of that. But, Brendan, you... You have a long history with Kay, so over to you. Yeah, so Kay and I first met, I don't know, were you 16 or 17 when you- 16. 16, when she enrolled at Western Reserve Academy where my wife and I were teaching. And Kay, maybe this will come up, clearly liked my wife better. Uh, and, and we'll get into why that was. But I uh, have known Kay for so, so long. So this is really fun for me. Um, and we were talking before the episode. Uh, it, I can't believe you're an adult. This is so cool. But going back to reserve, I always remember you having big personality, um, lots of fun. Um, but I have to tell you, I never thought, I knew you'd be successful. I just didn't expect it to be in um, sports management, right? Like in professional sports. Did you? What was the path? Where were you going? <laughs> I think, so I probably, when I was really young, I wanted to be GM of an NFL team. Um, okay. Sports have always been in my life. I've always loved sports. You know, growing up, watching my brother play football and be at different athletic events and then just being an athlete myself. I don't know that when I was in high school or even early on in college, understanding that there's a diverse set of roles you can be other than an athlete or a GM, I didn't really understand the business of sport. I understood mm-hmm. sports agencies and agents, um, but didn't really get a look behind the curtain as to what the business of sports are and, and with teams. Um, and then as I evolved and after graduation, started learning more about it. And, and I think you started to hear more conversations, especially as, look, the internet plays a role in all of it. And and content and behind the scenes, um, I realized, oh, there's a place for me in doing that and getting with a team and being in the front office and really having an impact just in a different vertical than what I had originally imagined it to be when I was much younger. So, Kate, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and it, and it you had a equestrian sports management program that you started in 2010. It, like what's this i mean so you knew early right like so i'm here in high school you but when you were younger you wanted to be a gm of a football team and then you graduated 
high school, college, and you started to understand that there's these sports management opportunities. Did you create this equestrian sports management as a way to kind of get your feet, your foot in the door, or was there some was there something else to that? So I think it was both, right? I think I thought at that point I really wanted to be an agent, and I thought law school was probably where I was headed. Um, I was a political science major, business legal studies minor. I really liked and appreciated torts and law and, and understanding all of that. And I think to understand business, you have to understand a certain element of law and politics and vice versa. Um, so I think that's where I was headed. And I recognized that I, I love the equestrian industry. I've ridden horses my whole life. There were opportunities to do what was happening in the NFL and NBA and all these mainstream sports where athletes deserve to have endorsement deals. And so that was what I looked at as an opportunity and then started saying, great, from there, it's about venues trying to get deals and brands to partner with them and started evolving and creating that a little bit more. So I think originally my my thought behind it was, I am riding horses. I know this world. I love the business side of things. I find it exciting. I think there's a way to grow both passions at the same time. Um, but I think my original intention was I wanted to be an agent. So uh, and that's kind of in my head what I what I had planned. I remember buying LSAT prep books and doing all of this stuff. <laughs> I, to this day, have never sat for the LSAT. And it's funny. Sometimes I think the route you think you're always supposed to take or hear people recommend, you just kind of take your own way of getting there. I still have never been great about listening to my GPS, so that's probably a, a constant theme. So what shifted? Like, at what point did you say, yeah, you know, maybe being a sports agent isn't the thing for me? I don't Was it the know LSAT? that I remember... Having to deal with that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I remember the exact moment that something clicked differently. I remember waking up and I remember being almost 30 and saying, I really want to be part of a front office and I really want to try this other passion. And I have been very fortunate. Nobody's ever told me I can't do something. I've grown up being told you can be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. You just have to figure it out and work hard to get there. It may mean sacrifices and other things. I recognized if I didn't make some changes and try getting into the front office, my resume may never translate. And it I may lose those opportunities because it's difficult. And I think you can probably talk to any professional athlete and more specifically women, right, that have played in the WNBA that have college degrees. And then after 10 years of playing, they go to apply for a job and you have 10 years of professional athlete on your resume. So I said, I'm going to try something different. I packed my bags and moved to Los Angeles and said, what's the worst thing that happens? I move home and I go back to doing what I was doing or my life changes. Yes. My life changed. And it took persistence. It took time. Um, but I got my foot in the door. And I always say, once you get in the door and you're inside the house, then you can find your way around. Um, so, so I did that. And I spent six seasons with Sparks. Yeah, and I'm so curious about that because, like, I'm looking at your progression. Like, you climbed the ladder step after step after step in a relatively short amount of time. 
but you entered in like you said like i had to like take chances i had to get my foot in the door yeah. so you got in as a partnership coordinator like yeah. what was that about like first of all i'm super curious like what you do in that role but like how is that taking a step back and realizing i, I kind of have to begin from the from, from the from the bottom and work my way up so i knew going into my journey i know i'm smart i know i can do things i've never questioned that about myself sometimes it's um saying okay i'm gonna apply for anything and everything in this space and so the sparks had multiple job openings up in the sponsorship department on their website and i did not know at the time that the department was vacated people had moved on to other places and positions so the team president was actually running the department with two interns I was sending emails to every single person that was on the website listed in the partnerships department. They were all going directly to Christine. Um, and I hadn't heard back. You know, she's like doing a few other things while this is going on. And then I had seen an internship program posted. And I said, you know what? I'm going to apply. What's the worst that happens? It's in ticket sales. But let's see. So I got accepted into the program. And on the first day, I said to the VP of ticket sales at the time, who has played a big role in my career, Danita Johnson, he said, look, I've applied for these other jobs. She goes, I've already flagged your resume. We got you. Uh, and about two weeks later, I was hired full-time as a coordinator. What I learned was immense. Um, I learned everything about the partnership department. I was activating the accounts we had at the time. I was helping on new pitches. Um, and building out sales. And so it was really learning how to professionalize and operationalize what was happening, right? You're and understanding the league business. So I understood partnerships, but now you have a league that also has an element to this and there's hmm. rules and league deals and what's happening there. Plus you're trying to build out the team business and figuring all of that out. So I was able to learn not just about the partnership side of the business. I was able to learn about everything because in the WNBA and with a lot of women's sports teams, you have a smaller size front office and nobody is saying stay in your lane 100% of the time. <laughs> it's like, roll your sleeves up and we have things to do and get done. So I started there. I was working directly to Christine Simmons, who was team president and has also been another mentor and great friend of mine in my career. And just was able to learn everything I could from her. Um, and I worked hard. I tell people that all the time. Like, there's a lot of people that are great talents in this world that may not get someplace because they're not willing to do what has to be done. I think there's a million great athletes out there we've all seen. But, you know, LeBron James is 38 years old doing what he's doing because he works harder than anybody else on his body. Yeah. Yeah. And he's from well, Ohio, so that's good. I say greatness comes through Ohio all the time and people look at me like I'm crazy and then I give the laundry list of people from Ohio. So. And that, that's because I coached against them and he uh, torched us both times. So that's my claim to fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, were, we were real shocked by that one, Brendan. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted, you had this fast rise at the Sparks. It couldn't have all been good ups and downs, things you learned, right? I mean, what was the, because, you know, we, we, we interview successful people like you and you've had a lot of success. We'll talk about it. But like, what were some of the things that didn't work? 
I think, look, it was learning how to be a leader. I think there were mistakes I made and learned from, right? There were moments where I was like thinking, you, I think you go forward with the best of intentions. But I hadn't really yeah. always learned everything 100% perfectly. I don't think you ever learn everything 100% perfectly and you're you're dealing with people. Um, and so how do you manage? What does that look like? What is that journey? And I think that I've grown as a leader and, and certainly started to understand started to understand that process better um so there were times where i'm like eh, i probably could have handled the situation better um i might do that a little differently if i were looking back um but i'm really proud of everybody i've worked with and they've made me better in every capacity along my journey and hopefully i've been able to have a positive impact on theirs um you know not every deal goes great sometimes it's like you do everything right and they're just not happy. And that's really hard and frustrating because especially in partnerships, right? There's usually large sums of money attached to these deals that then you have to attribute new revenue for. So it's tough when somebody's a near seven figure partner and it's like, yeah, we're good. Thanks. <laughs> this has been fun. And I'm like, well, well why? Why are you breaking up with me? Yeah. Same. You know? Um, and there have been times too, right, where it's like, I'll never forget in my career, we had an activation that went left um, and the brand was on site at the game sitting courtside. It was meant to be this massive activation. They paid additional dollars outside of the partnership to have it happen. They're texting me like, hey, when's this going down? And I'm like, oh yeah, we're in the fourth, like almost in the fourth quarter. When is this going down? And... I reached out to one of my colleagues and they're like, well, it's not happening. And this is what's gone on. And now I'm scrambling. And I remember in that moment, it's like you just have to find a solution and you have to tell people on your team, which you never want to do to be like, Bye, we have a significant mistake that just went down. Did we find a solution and were the fans happy? A hundred percent. Did I go like to the back of Staples Center when the game was done and have a minor panic attack? <laughs> hundred percent yeah um uh-huh. but i always say like we in the on the business side of it have a totally different experience like nine times out of ten the fans that's it's making sure the fans are happy and that the players are happy it's that's what the product is uh-huh. um so yeah there are but bumpy days but that's all right i love what you i mentioned- do so Oh, and that's important, right? Like, do you feel like it's like you've yeah. got to feel like you you're pursuing your purpose, right? <clears throat> um, and you mentioned yeah. earlier that, that you've had a couple important mentors that were at the Sparks. Like, how did how's mentorship played into your career? So, I think for me, um, and it's something I've learned, right? I think having good mentors, and I think we think of them typically in one way. I don't think it has to be just a successful person that's older than you or in this massive leadership position, right? Mm-hmm. I have some of my good friends that are mentors that are super successful in, in what they do. And they're people I aspire to be a better person and a better leader because I'm in their friend group. Um, and they also are very honest with me. So I look at mentors as part of what I call kind of my my tribe, right? They're the people that will give you great advice. They're the people that will be honest. They're the ones that lift you up. 
sometimes pull you down um, when it's like, hi, you need to let's let's settle down and, and <laughs> regroup here. Um, but they're also saying your names and rooms where you went. Um, so Christine was somebody that I had the privilege to work directly with and then evolved to being a friend of hers. And she's somebody I call when I need advice or when I have big career moves. Um, Danita and I started, you know, she was at the Sparks, I think for about a year before I started. And I got to watch her career and and the front row seat to it. Um, She was VP and ticket sales at the Sparks, left to go be head of business development at the Clippers and then came back to the Sparks as our team president, which was really special for me. That's Um, cool. And she's somebody that always pushed me to be better and, and to excel and always gave really great, solid, honest advice. Um, and little did I know that a few years later, she would have one of the largest impact in my career by, I got a LinkedIn message from my Washington team's, um, president of business operations, MMA. Why? Danita gave me your name. Are you interested in having a conversation with me? Um, want to talk about a role we have available and, Next thing I knew, 10 days later, I was calling my mom saying, after seven and a half years in Los Angeles, I am moving back to the East Coast. Um, so those relationships are people that are saying your names, right? So in that case for me, she was a sponsor, not just a mentor. But yeah, like I I have people that I pinch myself, that I get to call my friends and advisors in my life. Um, cool. And I always say we need a great board of advisors for personal and professional life. You know, we've, so we've talked to a whole bunch of people, uh, over in the yeah. pod and you are probably like the fifth or sixth person that has, <laughs> has given that advice. Like having your own personal board yeah. of directors is so powerful. They, they call you on your BS and then they lift you up, you know, in times when you're down, like, it's just, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that gives me goosebumps. Cause I think it's just incredible advice. So you. You rose to the the VP of corporate partnership at the Sparks, and then jumped over to um, uh, your current role in Washington. But before you did, like, what what was it like being a VP of a professional sports team in Los Angeles? You know, especially a town that has such a rich basketball culture. I mean, <laughs> I'm a Boston Ed. fan, so I'm not a Lakers fan, but you know, still, <laughs> or you're like, you know, but I, you know, I know basketball yeah. is deeply embedded in the city. Well, and a team that won a championship. Yeah, yeah, the Sparks, yeah. Yeah. So I was there for the championship. Um, yeah. Which that season was like a fairy tale run, right? Like when you talk about a story in sports, that's truly a, a remarkable story. That 2016 season will always be that for me. Um, cool. The players we had on the court going into the season, we were undefeated going into our biggest game of the year against Minnesota. Minnesota gave us our first loss at home. Then we fly to Minnesota, who was also undefeated, give them their first loss at home. So we ended the regular season 20-1. and one. Um, And then we, we go on this playoff run, and I will never forget winning game five in Minnesota in the final second NECA goes up, and... You see Lindsay, so we take the lead, and I see Lindsay Whalen go to take this almost half-court shot. And you're just like, if anybody's going to, that's the moment of sports, right? Like, here we go. And it 
doesn't go in and the buzzer goes off and we win the championship. And it was just such an incredible moment with this powerful group of women. Um, and then we go to try to do the the back-to-back in 2017. I laugh and I say, ironically enough, um, how Cleveland won it. We did the same thing, right? Game seven, we had game five that the series they go to play the Warriors the next year, lose it. And, and unfortunately, we lost in game five in Minnesota as well. Uh, LA basketball culture is unique. LA as a city is unique. Um, I grew up in a city of true fandom, it's generational fandom that you have. If you are from Cleveland, it's just ingrained in you about being a Browns fan, um, a Guardians fan, Cavs. Like, that's just part of uh-huh. how you're brought up. LA has so much happening. And there are, it's you have Dodgers, Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Padres, Rams, Chargers. I mean, you name it. And plus, you have a really high level collegiate sports scene there as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of options for people to make, but you can't compare yourselves to everybody else. You have to tell your own story and make that what it is. I think women's sports deserve all the attention. They only get 4% of media coverage and 1% of sponsorship dollars. We're seeing a massive shift in that, um, especially as you see NIL growing, social media. The product is just becoming so incredible and people are just loving the fan base. Um, but yeah, I had to learn LA. I'd never lived in LA. I'd never been to LA. You know, my one of my favorite movies was Love and Basketball. So like when we <laughs> played a playoff game at the Galen Center and I'm like having this moment of like, I'm working for the Sparks playing a playoff game in the Galen Center. This is like wild to me. <laughs> um, it's tough. I think working in sports is tough, but sports are a unifier. It's also one of the last places where people are consuming a live television product. Um, And so there's a lot of opportunity, right? Which is why I say I love what I do. Because you may have so many differences with somebody, but you love the same team or the same sport. And you're going to high five and hug each other in celebration and you're going to hold each other up in defeat. And that's what makes my job incredible every day. It's also seeing young girls there you know christine had a quote that sticks with me that says we're in the business of empowering young women and enlightening young men and i firmly believe that every day because women deserve a space in professional sports on the court on the pitch on the medical teams in the front office in every aspect of it and young boys need to see women being successful and powerful in those spaces to have great allyship. Um, and that's how well, we're going to grow. Yeah. Where would you, what would you say the state of women's sport is right now? I mean, we had the, so I live out in Seattle. And so this, the, the, you know, the, you got a few, uh, <laughs> we got a few good teams out here, right? Like, there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's they, the, 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 the women's teams here have like pretty, big followings you know like people are passionate about yeah. the storm like super passionate about Sue the Bird. storm and Sue, yeah. Sue Bird is like the literal icon in the city like and and, and Megan Rapino, right both of them right they're just like huge yeah. icons here in Seattle and you know they had the uh 
this year was the the Elite Eight, and I'm sorry, the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight for the women's tournament. You know, the West Region was here in Seattle, so we had a chance to go down and watch it at uh, Climate Pledge. And uh, and there's a big know, mural to... on that bar when you go down to Climate Pledge. It has Jewel Lloyd and Lower Queens Anne, Lower Queen Lower Queen, Anne's. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big mural with Jewel and Sue and that old bar. Oh, I know. I mean, they they are revered and. It was, but when we were sitting in that, first off, it was like packed. Uh, we had a chance to see Caitlin Smith do Caitlin Smith things. And she was like one of the most incredible players I've ever seen in my yeah. life. And the the, 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 the the energy was huge. And ESPN was there broadcasting and doing all the things. Like, like, like that to me is, is a good sign. But is it like, what is it indicative of? Like, where do you see uh, female sports right now? I think that they are on a rocket ship. Honestly, I think um, data is now supporting what we all have been saying, right? It is now supported that the following is there, the engagement is there, the impressions are there. The desire for more consumption of the product is there. And the the quality of the product is already incredible. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're seeing is this really big shift you know no athlete right and i say this like you never heard kobe or lebron or magic um talk poorly about a wmba player they know that making the wmba is actually the hardest roster to make in u.s professional sports there's 144 spots for all those women right we okay. know in women's soccer, the women's national team has won countless international events. Yeah. The product yeah. is superior. It's those people that like to to talk and say, oh, and I'm like, I'll say to anybody, okay, cool. You think you can outscore Trinity Rodman? I'll come down. Let me see. I'll put you off the pitch. Let me see what you got. And everybody gets quiet. Um <laughs> Women's sports are going through a massive, massive growth phase because it's what's it's it's there. The product is just so good. Um, women's sports fans are incredibly loyal. They are passionate. They understand how their influence affects things. They understand the economics of it, right? The economics uh -huh. of the buying power, supporting the brands that sponsor these teams, what that means. Um, they're just incredibly savvy, smart consumers of a product that they love, which is so incredible to me, right? You can ask most people that are going to games, tell me who the sponsors are or tell me what brands you've seen advertised. Most times people won't tell you, but I promise if you go to a women's sporting event, they'll tell you who those advertisers are um, because they're aware of who is investing their dollars back into this product and they want to invest their dollars back into them. I always say at the basic function, right? My job on the partnership side is taking our fans' passion for our product and translating it back to a brand that's supporting us um, because it is a true partnership. I also, like I said, it goes back to the data supporting it. You watch, I mean, the, the final of the women's college tournament this year for basketball the yeah. numbers were insane yeah. like even if you look at the final four um people want this product they want to be here and they're spending money 
Uh-huh. And so it's also shown, right? You give a little bit of coverage. You're not hiding them on channels and behind different things. And I also think the evolution of dreaming, right? RSN is going through a massive shift, not just in women's sports, but across all of the playing field, right? You're seeing the NFL has now changed rules and it's no longer the days of those traditional media rights deals. And so I think that's going to play a massive, massive role in how the sporting landscape goes for the future because people aren't just watching one channel anymore. They're not subscribing. I mean, I don't even have a cable subscription anymore. Um, yeah. I don't know how many people really do, right? Like I get my leak because if I need it and I have yep. I have Hulu for my live TV, for example, and I have Apple yeah. TV and I have these different ones. So I think that's where you're going to you know, really cool shift as these young fans like gen z is a it's a they're a unique beast um <laughs> and, and they're going to start driving a lot of impact where does youth what like what does youth sports play into this like are there more opportunities now for young girls i mean i look i mentioned a couple times you know my daughter's 16 we've she's been playing club soccer for years we you know she plays bass like like we're I, our weekends are centered around her athletic events, like, and have been for a decade. And it's like, it's the best. Um, but is that, do you see like more kids participating? Hence, like more opportunity for, for females, for women's yeah. sports or like, I'm curious. So I think the business of youth sports is a total, I mean, that's like a whole other, right. Yeah. We could probably do a whole yeah. conversation on, on that one. Um, I think what's happened now with the growth of these leagues Right. And these players and how the CBAs have been changing and the opportunities. You are seeing opportunities for young girls be refined in how they go through a youth sports landscape. Um, because now it's like I'm not just trying to play a sport to go to college to get a scholarship. I could also potentially have a legitimate career where I'm making a living doing this. Uh-huh. Um, and I have that opportunity. You know, I don't know that that opportunity was a reality for me at 12 years old. I mean, granted, I wasn't going to be a soccer phenom or something phenom, but uh, most of those people had other jobs at the same time. You know, you weren't really making a sustainable living Uh being a professional women's athlete, you know, or you were playing overseas and you you were doing multiple leagues to try to help support yourself now there's you can actually make a living and do well and have endorsement deals and do all of these things and so i think it has changed because now youth sports are paying more attention to young girls right and we've started to see how sport impacts women and i think as we are now treating young girls and women so it's one of the philosophies here at the spirit right we have don scott who heads up our player care and she's remarkable but she believes in training women as women because for years young girls were being trained like the boys we were wearing boys pennies everything was the same and you saw a remarkable drop in girls competing in sport after between the ages of 13 and 16 you know girls are going through puberty and it's like a cop it's a little more complicated for girls <laughs> um yeah. and 
Now it's becoming actually, hey, we need to pay attention. We need to refine how we're doing this process. We need to grow. We need to evolve this system and really provide the right opportunities because it's legitimate business. Um, and we want these young women to have opportunities of success. You know, like these pros in college, playing college basketball, like those NIL deals are wild that are happening right now, right? They are making <laughs> they are. real yeah. money. Um, <laughs> right. We have, you know, when we played San Diego on Saturday, there were two 15-year-olds that were on rosters okay. on Saturday's wow. game, on our team and on San Diego's team. We, we each have one. So it's it's here. The time is here. And I think yeah. no longer are we happy just saying, great, support us. It's invest and you'll see a return on it. So, oh, go ahead, Brendan. Yeah. I was just going to say, and maybe we'll take us in a different path. You had glossed over this, Kay, the, the recruitment to the spirit. I'd yeah. love for you to, I'd love to back up a little bit and go, Yeah, that was a big deal. And, and not only LA to Washington, but like you've got a much bigger role now. So I'd love, I'd love to hear a little more about that. Yeah. So I have had the privilege now for the second time, I call it in my adult career, um, to switch jobs from being employed and getting headhunted. Um, so I did a, a little over a year with a company called Evil Geniuses after the Sparks that was gaming and esports, where I learned a totally different industry, which, you know, was an incredible moment. Um, and I wasn't looking, right? And I think sometimes they say the best things happen when you aren't looking. But I did. I got, I got a message from MMA, who's our team president, and is a fierce powerhouse herself. And I feel fortunate to call my boss every day. Um, she sent me a note on LinkedIn, said, you know, would you be open to having a conversation? Danita gave me your name. And I said, sure. Happy to talk. So we, we talked for a few minutes. And then she said, great. You know, could we actually set up a formal time on Monday? And so I was like, okay, cool. Sure. You know, and I think I look back on it and I was probably didn't realize like what a big deal was happening at the time, which is also probably a good thing. Um, and so I had this conversation with Emma and I was like, this is okay. This is um, what you've been wanting and asking for. All right. This sounds good. Uh-huh. Okay. I know I can do this. Um, and then Emma said, here's the next steps. And so we went and I had another call and I was like, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm in. All right. You know, but I, I'm one of those people. I don't like getting overly excited about things because I don't want to be set myself up to be disappointed because this the truth is like, I was like, this is kind of my one of my dream jobs right overseeing all of this this is taking yeah. my career to the next like this is rocket ship career to the the moon to get where you want to go and i had a call with our team owner michelle Kong, who is man every women's sports team deserves <laughs> to have an owner like michelle she is I feel so lucky every day to to be working here. Um, and I had this call with her, and I went, "Oh, this is this is really happening for me." <laughs> uh, so, and 
I remember going, God, I hope I didn't fuck anything up because now <laughs> I really want this job. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, okay, great. And followed up with Emma and I said, you know, really want this and please let me know if there's anything else you need. And, and then next steps were, was an offer and I could not have like my head kind of spun for a minute and didn't feel real to me because it literally was within 10 days wow. that this all happened. And, you know, I never thought if you had asked me, even at 22, are you going to be working in women's sports? Are you going to move to Los Angeles? Are you going to do this? Like all of these things, I would have said, oh, you're funny. <laughs> no, this isn't happening. Um but it, it has, and I love it. Like, I I wake up every day and to say, okay, like, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a wild ride, and within, like, two weeks, I moved from L.A. to Washington, D.C., and now I'm here. Wow. And we're undefeated so right look- now, which is great. Well, even better. Yeah, exactly. What does it look like? Like, what does it look like to be the head of revenue of a professional sports team? So I oversee ticket sales, corporate partnerships, merchandise and licensing. Um, So, and also try to figure out new revenue streams as we're evolving in our process. Um, So I have department heads and then it trickles down to each of them. So for us, this is our first season where we are playing in Audi Field for the full season. Um, yeah. It's now our official home. So last year we had half of the season um, at a venue at Leesburg and then half the season at Audi. So it's been a bit of a new process. It's kind of our amazing supporter group that have followed us for years and, and they're coming along for the ride with us. And then there's also new people that are like, oh, hey, we were at Audi, but hadn't really done a full season with you. And so we're getting those folks in now. Um, You know, ticket sales for me is something that's exciting. That's an important group of people. You want the arena to look good. You want them to have the best experience. I think it's, it's working closely with marketing. It's working closely with um, our comms team because the journey as a fan starts the minute you decide you either see an ad or the moment you decide you want to come to a game, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we, how are we involved with you in that journey? And what does that look like? So it's a strategy level. It's also figuring out who our fans are and, and understanding how do we support our existing fan base and consumers and also invite new ones to be part of our family. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love working with my team. I think it's important to make sure we're providing professional development and growth opportunities and and helping them through their their space. Uh, on the partnership side, right, it's, it's really strategy. The partnerships, they say, is like dating to get married. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> you have all these brands that you're talking to and you want, but it's it's not it's not really like a quick process here. You know, you, you're courting each other and deciding what's going to work and understanding what their KPIs are and how do we provide that back to them and what does that story look like? Because it is, it's telling a story that impacts multiple areas of the organization, right? There's usually hospitality to it. 
And then there's social media and different content. So building all of that out and it, it's fun to really get to flex that creative muscle inside. Um, and then merchandise is also how we, it's not just buying clothes um, or jerseys. It's also how we're getting our brand into the market. You look at somebody like the Dodgers. I mean, how many people wear that LA hat that could care less about the Dodgers, right? That's like <laughs> the dream one day that everyone's wearing our logo. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's working with incredible people, hearing ideas. It's also trying to figure out what works. How do we grow? How do we keep doing that? Um, and hitting goals. So, you know, we had the second most watched NWSL regular season game on Saturday on CBS. Wow. Um, with a crowd of over 12,000 at Audi, you know, so that's why it's fun. Like it was a vibe. So we're, we're here. We're ready to do it, and I, I want to always keep growing them. I, I'm trying to constantly think about how do we get ourselves to sell out games? How are we selling out every game, too? Um, and how are we making that sustainable each season? How are we bringing in blue-chip brands and disruptor brands that are providing value not just to our club but also to the players and the fans? You know, And then you think about merch, like how are we staying cool and relevant and having people want to wear us you know because what i may think is fashionable isn't necessarily what somebody else thinks so it's making sure we are speaking to everybody um and we're an inclusive environment to for everybody to know that they're invited and to join our party um and have fun with us and to be fans well this has been really cool and you know, Brendan and I are big sports fans. So like, this is, this is awesome to hear like that side of the industry. It's, that's something you get to yeah. peek into too often. But okay, as we wrap up, there's a question we always like to ask folks, like you've had a really interesting journey. You've walked a cool path, but if somebody said to you, Hey, like you could do it all over again and you can either walk the path that you took or you could take a different one. What, and... what would you do? Maybe that answer changes on a day. Um, I think it's, I think right instinct says you take all the knowledge you have. Can I, can I retake a path knowing everything I know today? But I, I'm where I have always said I would be. I always said I wanted to be in the front office as a leader of a professional sports team. I didn't take the same path as everybody else has to get there, but that's my journey and my route. And I tell people that I mentor, you don't have to take the same road as somebody else to get where you want to be. Don't compare that journey. You know, don't compare your journey or your place or how you're doing things or what you want to do to somebody else because that's a competition you're never going to win, right? There's always somebody that's gotten somewhere faster or you know, you can always say the grass is greener, however that looks. And yeah, there are some things maybe I would do a little differently along the way, but I'm happy with the overall and I'm happy with where I am. And I know that this is going to be to where I've always wanted to go. I get to, I have had the incredible privilege to stand on courts and pitches that people have dreamed of their entire lives. 
I get to do that all the time. I don't take one second of it for granted. Um, And I want to keep doing it. I want to keep being part of the story. I want to keep impacting for the positive um, and being part of a change and a movement uh, that is women's sports. And, you know, yeah, my journey has been the scenic route and it has been a (laughs) bit of a weird one. Um, But I always get where I'm going and I get there when I'm supposed to be there, which is what I think matters at the end of the day. Yeah, that's great. Okay, two final questions. First, where can people learn more about you? Where do you want to send people? Well, um, I'm always available on LinkedIn. So people can hit me up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are in the DMD area, though, you can go to WashingtonSpirit.com and get tickets to a game. Let me know you're Very coming. Nice. I will come find you in your section and say hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that there are LinkedIn are, are good places to find me. Good. Final question. When you become the GM of a professional football team, which team is it? Brendan. Brendan, she said that she was raised in Cleveland and like you're... This is the question. Is it the Browns or... That's I got to know, Kay. Got to know. I'm going to stay in women's sports and not go to the NFL. Good for you. There you you. go. Good for you. That's great. Good for you. That's so great. So that's, uh, we'll leave, that's hey, um, where I'm going to be. Yeah, we'll leave yeah. it there. That's great. Great answer. And, and we will continue to watch because this has been really, really yeah. fun. And thank you for sharing your story today. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Backstory. Make sure to subscribe from your favorite podcast player and leave us a review if you like what you hear. We appreciate you sharing your feedback with other listeners. Peter Barron and Brendan Schneider host the Leadership Backstory. Catch you on the next episode. <laughs>